What's up, y'all? It's good to see everybody uh, after the great mass vaccination event that we had uh, in the last couple of weeks from natural causes. Uh, this COVID thing has been crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but uh, man, I'm glad that this strain that we've got right now for the most part has been like a cold for most people. I do wanna ask that we keep Shelly Martin in our prayers. Um, that is a friend of ours, many of us here at the church. She's struggling right now um, with COVID. Uh, she's been struggling to breathe at the hospital. Uh, and I know there are a few cases like that out there. So we ask we keep those folks in our prayers. Uh, and as Corey mentioned, uh, we've got a bunch of people out today uh, not just because of the other stuff that's going on, but we've got a retreat, a major retreat that we do uh, every year at this time with all of our college students. So uh, if you're first time visiting today, uh, this is uh, about half of us. Um, so uh, we hope to come back next week and get to meet, meet the other half as well. They're all nice. Uh, we picked a theme verse for this year that we introduced last week. I'm going to read that from the NIV, uh, and I'm going to throw it up here on the screen for you. Our theme verse for 2022 comes out of Hebrews 13. Uh, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Uh, we chose that to be our verse for this year that we're going to teach out of a lot. And we choose a theme every year. Uh, as a leadership, we get together, we talk about uh, what is going on in the church, what our needs are, what our direction needs to be. That's a theme we can choose to teach out of for this year that's going to meet uh, some of these needs that are facing us as a church. So this is something that's done prayerfully and thoughtfully. Um, and this week, we're going to look at what it means to be equipped. Uh, but before we get into that, why did we choose equipped to be our theme for 2022? Well, you've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, we're going to get into answering that question. We're going to get into looking at uh, what we're going to talk about today. If you don't have a bulletin and would like one, just raise your hand. We'll have somebody bring you one. But why did we choose Equip to be our theme for 2022? Well, first of all, Equip is our theme in 2022 because of our eternal calling. Because of our eternal calling. And we talk about this a lot here at the church. Uh, we were created. You and I were created. We didn't just occur. Uh, we were created by a designer who designed us to function according to a purpose. We were created by Jesus and for Jesus, is what it says in the Bible. We are heirs of uh, all of these blessings that God has promised to give his people as a result of our following Jesus. We're adopted as children into God's family when we follow Jesus. Pretty cool the way that works. Um, We've got a purpose now as followers of Jesus. It says in Ephesians 3, this is Paul writing, and he's explaining to the early church uh, how God was going to work through them. He says God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says right here that the purpose of the church, which, by the way, if you don't know what church is, Church is the gathering of God's people. Church is, uh, it's not a building. It's not this structure we're in. This is not our church. The church is you guys. The church is the community. When we gather together, the community of people that are trying to follow the Son of God. That is the church. And the church, this community, is the vehicle through which God is making uh, what, what it refers to here is his manifold wisdom. Uh, his plan, the way he's working in the world. To make it real simple, the church shows the world what God is like. Our job as the church is to be close to God and to help others get close to God. Our job is to know God so that we can tell others about God. Our job is to model for the world what it looks like whenever a community of people gets together and they're functioning the way they were designed to function. What God is setting up here is a community that's like a light where, and look at this, guys. This, this passage right here kind of blows my mind a little bit because it says his intent was that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You guys know what that's referring to? Angels and demons. He's saying God is actually going to take you and use you to teach these other creatures about him. Uh, which is crazy to me. Like, 
anyway, we're not going to chase that rabbit hole. We can do that some other time. If you want to get together and talk about that, I can tell you why I think that might be. Um, we're not going to get into that, though, okay? We, are, we have a job. We have a purpose. We have things to do in this world. We have a purpose in life. Uh, equipped is our theme additionally because of our current and constant need. So we chose equipped to be our theme because we've got an eternal calling. Also, because we've got a current and constant need. And let me just say, guys, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jacked up individual. Okay, if you get to know me and you get to know how I function day to day in life, uh, some of you know me better than others, so you already know this. This isn't news to you because you're, you're close enough to me that you see me in my mess. But if you just see me up here on Sundays, you may not think that I'm a big mess. You know, if you just see the, the, the preacher, guys, I'm a wreck. Uh, when I, I, I can very easily get off track when it comes to my relationship with God. And I've noticed when I um, am disciplined, when I'm disciplined about getting in the word, when I'm disciplined about spending time with the Lord, when I'm disciplined about making sure I'm praying, when I'm getting together with my children and making sure I'm praying with them and talking with them about the Lord, uh, those are the times when I feel like I can look at my life and say I'm growing. But when I get undisciplined, you know, when I'm not spending that time with the Lord, when I'm not in the word, when I'm not praying, uh, you know, when I'm thinking toxic thoughts about myself or whatever, uh, other people, guys, I can get off track very, very quickly. Uh, a big part of being equipped is, is uh, discipline. It's, it's just it's, it's putting the time in. And, man, the world needs healing so bad. Guys, I can only help somebody if I'm getting help myself. Like, you can only get somebody, help somebody else get as close to God as you've gotten yourself. And so, um, if I'm not equipped, like, if I'm not close to him, how am I going to help anybody else get close to him? You know what I mean? So it's real important that we be on top of things. Is there a problem with the mic? Oh, there is? What's wrong? Oh, it is? I can't even hear it up here. Okay. Check. Is that better? Yeah, I could hear that on the recording last week, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't hear it up here on stage. Um, so anyway, guys, the, the, the point that I'm making, though, is we can only get, help people get as close to God as we are ourselves. You can only take somebody as far as you've gone yourself. You can only lead somebody as far as you've gone yourself. Uh, so if we really want to make an impact on the lives of people around us that are hurting, if we really want to be in a position to help other people, if we want to be helped... We, we've got to be helped first in order to help other people, right? Uh, we've, got to, we've got to get that equipping. So as a Christian and a disciple of Christ, um, what does this look like? What, what does this mean? Well, first of all, as a disciple, I get to experience the God of peace. I get to experience the God of peace. Um, guys, all of these blessings are for disciples. Let me just say that out front, okay? When I say disciple of Jesus... A disciple of Jesus is somebody who has made the commitment to follow the Lord, uh, who's put on Christ in baptism, uh, and who, you know, who's really trying to live this out. That's what a disciple is. Uh, anytime somebody comes and joins the crossings, that's, that's one of the first things uh, that we will do as we're getting to know somebody. You know, if somebody's interested in, in a relationship with God, we'll, we'll talk about, hey, what does Jesus say about being a disciple? Um, that's the normative way a Christian is described in the Bible. The, the word Christian shows up in the actual Bible three times. The word disciple and variations of it show up over 270 times in the New Testament. That's the normal way people were referred to. Uh, and, and what a disciple is, is, is a follower of their teacher who's trying to become like their teacher. And so when I say disciple of Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. It means you've made a commitment to follow him. It doesn't just mean you like him and you like the idea of him and think he's a good teacher. And you go to church sometimes. A disciple is somebody that has made the public commitment to wholeheartedly follow Jesus for the rest of their life, and they've invited accountability for that commitment, okay? That's a different level of commitment than somebody that just is friendly to the idea that Jesus was a good teacher. Everybody thinks Jesus was a good teacher, okay? That doesn't make you a disciple. Uh, when you become a disciple, there are privileges that go along with that, and the first one here is this peace that comes. You get to experience the God of peace. 
We talk about peace a lot uh, here at the crossings. Peace is not, in the Bible, it's not just a lack of conflict. Uh, whenever the word peace is used, it's referring to wholeness. It's referring to completeness. It's referring to harmony. Whenever we say we follow the God of peace, we're saying we follow the God of wholeness, the God of completeness, the God of harmony, uh, the God who makes everything peaceful because he is, he is the source of life and completeness. And these are privileges for disciples, guys. We get to experience that peace. As a disciple of Jesus, we get to experience peace in a couple of different forms. First, I get to have peace with God. I get to have peace with God. And here's the truth. We need peace with God. This is something the world that does not understand. Um, God created the world and designed it to function perfectly. Perfectly. Like if you read the New Testament or the Old Testament, if you read the story of creation in Genesis, he created a world that worked right. There, there was nothing wrong. When, when you talk about peace, when you talk about harmony, when you talk about wholeness, it was in Eden. They had everything that they needed. But then they decided that they needed more because God wasn't enough and what they had wasn't enough. Their perfect world wasn't enough. Isn't that crazy? Um, and so they decided to go into business for themselves and start acting outside of God's design. What that is called is sin. Sin is acting outside of your design. Whenever the Bible says that you were created by Jesus and for Jesus, you know what that means? Exactly what it says. You were created by him and for him. Uh, he's the designer. He's the one that gets to, to say, like, hey, I wrote the manual on how these things work. I, I know this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the engineer behind this. Um, guys, when we don't take our sin seriously, we get into major, major trouble. Um, we are kind of like... <laughs> Let me, let me say it like this, okay? If I had uh, two plates of food up here, who's hungry? Anybody in here hungry? Okay. Brett's got two hands up. Let me say I got two plates of, of food up here, and I got one of those, like, fancy, like, chef dish things that I can, I can pick up the lid and just present it to you. Like, oh, wow, right? Um, and so I come up here, and I, I pull the lid off one, and it's just like this amazing steak. Just amazing steaks. Anybody in here vegan? Get out. I'm just kidding. Um, it's this amazing steak. And then I pull the lid off of the other one, and it's like rotten, rancid steak. Same cut of meat. One's pristinely prepared. Looks really good. The other one's full of maggots and rot. Which one are you going to pick? Which one are you going to put in your belly? You're not going for the maggots and the rot, right? Why? Why? It's gross. How do you know? You didn't even try it. You didn't even take a mouthful of it. You didn't even let the maggots like swirl around in there a little bit. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, you don't have to. Why? Because you got five senses. I can look at it and I can see it's full of maggots. I can touch it and I don't feel right. I can smell it over here, right? Like I ain't touching that. I got five senses, right? Did you know... That applies to food, and that applies to the physical world. Did you know your five senses don't work like that on spiritual things? Did you know you are blind when it comes to spiritual stuff? We don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. You and I are like blind people when it comes to spiritual matters. We need somebody that can see to define reality for us. You and I, without... Somebody that can see to lead us, we're just feeling our way around in this world trying to figure it out. And we may eventually tug on the, the coattails of somebody else who's, I know the way, I know the way. Oh, well, let's follow him. Well, they're blind too, if they're not Jesus. That's why Jesus says, you guys are like blind men following blind men around. You're both going to follow in a pit, fall in a pit. Okay? You need somebody that can see. Jesus is the only one that can see. Whenever you and I hitch our wagon to him, we're hitching our wagon to one that he's got the, the ability to define reality and explain to blind people what is actually going on in the world. We can have peace in the world when we start allowing the one who defines reality to be in charge. 
That's really what it comes down to. It says the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, that's referring to Jesus on the cross, okay? Um, in Colossians 1, God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross. You used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies. You did evil things, but his son became a human and died, so God made peace with you. Listen, Jesus took sin seriously enough. He looked at that and said, that's full of maggots, that's full of rot. That sin stuff is going to kill my people if I don't do something about that. They can't see how deadly this is. They don't know. I know. I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to take care of this. Jesus comes into the world, dies on a cross for our sins, takes all of that sin onto himself, defines reality for us, turns around and says, hey, this is bad. Stay away from it. This is good. Follow it. Things are going to come, but I'm going to take care of you. Uh, gives him assurances. Guys, he is the only way you and I have peace with God, though. He's able to look and say, I'm going to come and I'm going to take care of this. He comes and takes care of it, right? As a disciple, we also have the peace of God. We have peace with God. We have peace, the peace of God. Before Jesus went to the cross, he knew his time was coming, and he intentionally took some time to encourage his disciples. Now, if you read the book of John, you'll see there's a few chapters dedicated to Jesus talking to his disciples before he goes and dies on the cross. Man, he had some not-so-encouraging things to say to them in the course of that conversation. There's one part uh, where he's talking to him. Remember, just picture this. He's about to go to the cross. He's having dinner with his friends before this happens. He knows this is going to happen. And so he's sharing a lot of stuff with them that he knows they need to hear. One of the things he tells them in the midst of this conversation is, hey, pretty soon, um, you guys are going to get kicked out of your churches because of me, because you're following me, your synagogues for them, but it was like your churches. And people that try to kill you are going to do it thinking that they're serving God, okay? So you've just gotten the news that all of you are getting kicked out of your communities, and people are going to try to kill you, and they're going to think that they're serving God when they do it because you love me. Okay? Is that news you want to get? That's going to upend your life, right? Um, there's trouble coming. But then he goes on to tell them in 33, look at this, this is right on the heels. He's like, all this bad stuff's about to happen. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He says in uh, John 16, 33, this is Jesus saying, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. He's telling them, guys, things are about to get bad. You want to talk about peace? Things are about to not be peaceful in the terms we understand peace in the world. You guys are going to get kicked out of your churches. You guys are going to get, uh, your, your lives are going to be threatened. But don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. Just let it happen. Just take it. That was his advice. Now, this is coming from a guy who's about to model it for them. What's he about to do? Man, he's about to go let himself be put on a cross. That doesn't sound like a good day plan, but that's what he does. And he turns around and tells his followers, things are going to be bad for you guys too, but take heart. It's okay. I've overcome the world. Now, what did he mean by that? He tells them plainly, your lives are going to get hard. Does anybody else in here struggle with anxiety? Anybody in here struggle with anxiety? Do you, um, <clears throat> do you have a situation in your life that's bothering you right now? Uh, do you have a conflict with somebody that maybe is unresolved, that's, that's causing you uh, some negative feelings or some grief? Uh, is there a person whose life has gotten off track that's just worrying you sick because you're watching them destroy themselves, right? Uh, is there a health issue that's outside of your control that's just weighing on you? Maybe yourself, maybe a loved one uh, that's causing you anxiety. Um, do you struggle with discontentedness? You know, uh, with, with, especially with a lot of young people uh, and young disciples, um, have you ever found yourself saying, I'm never going to be truly happy until? I'm never going to be truly happy until I have that spouse. I'm never going to be truly happy until I have that baby. 
I'm never going to be truly happy until I have that job. You ever found yourself saying stuff like that? Okay, that's just discontentedness. Um, all of that stuff can steal your peace. It, it can steal your feeling of wholeness and completeness because you're looking for wholeness and completeness and in places wholeness and completeness cannot be found. It was never designed to be found. Do you want to be deeply at peace? Notice what he says in this passage. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. Man, doesn't that sound good? When you've been struggling so bad, we've been dealing with a situation at my house uh, that's been tough uh, the last few weeks. Man, stuff will just steal your peace. Stuff that's outside of your control. But what Jesus says here is that if you trust him, trust him, you will be unshakable, deeply at peace. Just simply trust me. Doesn't that sound easy? And I, I, you know what, guys? I think he means for it to be. When I catch myself worrying, 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 you want to know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to somehow assert control. <laughs> Most of the time, if I just mull over this situation and roll it over in my head ten more times, I'm eventually going to find a solution. Well, no, I'm if it's outside of your control, it's outside of your control. But that's what worry and anxiety does, man. It just, it, it makes me in the state of mind where I'm trying to fix it. What letting go and, and giving it to God does is, uh, it, it's just that. It's letting it go. And God has a way of working in our hearts. Guys, we had a situation this past week where uh, I was dealing with a loved one that is struggling with uh, some issues, and we needed to get her in to get treatment. Um, the way the law is, if a person doesn't want to go in to get treatment, they don't have to. Uh, and so we've struggled uh, for a while trying to get this loved one into treatment. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't go. You know, I'd felt some anxiety and stress about that. I'd mulled that over in my head many times. How can I fix this? How can we do this? You know what we did last night? I sat with my little girls, and we prayed. And we've been praying for a while, but this is the first time I think I took my little girls and intentionally just prayed. And I explained to them the situation. They know this person, too, and they love this person. And so we prayed, and a few minutes later, I get a phone call, and guess what happened? That person that didn't want to get treatment finally decided right after I prayed with my girls, they're going to get treatment. Now, that was encouraging for us. And I got to get up this morning and tell my girls and look at their faces uh, as they smile, beaming. You know, that's a lesson they're going to remember. But, guys, who's in control? God is in control. I, man, what a good reminder for me to be reminded of that, that he's in control. Man, if I'm struggling with my peace, I'm struggling with my trust. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, that old saying, no God, no peace, K-N-O-W, or no God, no peace. That is so true. Uh, and if you would like peace this morning, guys, it's available to you. Uh, we take communion every week here at the Crossings. We're going to take it uh, here together in the assembly this morning. Um, we do that because we want to be reminded every week that Jesus' table is open to everybody. He invites all of us to come and sit and be his friend. He invites all of us into relationship with him uh, where he can be our, our, our friend and our king, our Lord and our Savior. We learn blessing after blessing after blessing is available to us when we relate to Jesus in a proper way. One of the things that is so striking about Christianity is that uh, Christianity is the only world religion that presents God as one who made himself a man and came into the world and died. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, that's convincing because what man would come up with that? Uh, that's, that's not a great plan just for us to come up with, but it's just like God, if you get to know him. He does, he does things and flips them on their head. He came into the world as a man. He lived a life where he was limited, uh, but he modeled perfectly for us how to be a man, how to be a human being how to relate to God, how to relate to other people. Um, he got together with his friends. 
before he died, and he took a, he had a meal together with them, the Passover meal. It's a Jewish holiday. Uh, as part of that meal, he took some bread at one point and broke it and said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. I want you to take this in remembrance of me. He took some uh, cup that uh, was wine, and, and they shared all a drink, and he said, I want you to take this. This is my blood that spilled for you. I want you to take this in remembrance of me. This wouldn't have made sense to the disciples at the time because they didn't understand what was about to happen. They didn't understand what this lesson was. But Jesus instituted uh, what we refer to now as the Lord's Supper um, because he wants his followers to remember that he was willing to suffer and die on a cross on our behalf. I think he did that because he knows you and I will doubt. Uh, we'll doubt God's love. We'll doubt our worth. Uh, we will doubt uh, a lot, all kinds of things, but one of the things that I think God wants us to rest on is his love. He wants us to know he loves you. If you will believe how God feels about you, it will change your life. Because I think most people, like if you could just, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. If you don't want to close your eyes, that's fine. Close your eyes and picture God in heaven and picture his face. What is his facial expression toward you? And I know... A bunch of you in here are going to see smiling God, but some of you in here are going to see disappointed God. Some of you in here are going to see, man, they screwed up with that one, God. Um, guys, we say it all the time here, but the truth is there is nothing you can do to make God love you more than he loves you right now. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more than he loves you right now. You say, but I've got crap in my life. Well, yeah, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so when you enter into a relationship with him, he starts a process of work, and you say, I got all this garbage in my life. Well, yeah, he, he's pretty good at dealing with that. Um, guys, God, he's looking at you, and he's loving. He, he's looking at you, and he's smiling. He's inviting you. Now, there may be things that are going on in your life that God ain't going to smile about. But guys, those things don't have to stay there. Those things don't have to remain. The things that shackle us, the things that we find comfort in, God is so much better. He's so much better. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we're going to take communion together. And I just want you to meditate on God's love this morning as we think about, man, I serve a God who actually came into the world and died on a cross for my sins. Um, let's pray. Father, as we take communion today, I pray we'll be reminded of your love. Uh, help, us to, help us to connect with how you feel about us. Um, Father, if anybody is struggling with feeling like whether you can love them or not, I pray you help them to understand that they are not that special. God loves, you, you, your love is not for everybody, but not them. It just it doesn't work that way. God, help us to be wrapped up in your love this morning as we take communion. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Second, as a disciple of Jesus, I get to experience the power of God. I get to experience the power of God. That's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So Jesus is presented as the creator uh, in the Bible. Jesus, Father, Son, Spirit, all the same God. Uh, no beginning, no end. God's power is activated in our lives when we surrender to him. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new creation. Guys, don't miss the significance of this. The creator of the world, his power, the power that is unlike any other power that exists, the power of God, uh, the, the only one, works in us, is what the Bible says. Uh, we get to tap into that as disciples, when we decide to become disciples. Again, that is a committed follower of Jesus who's invited, uh, made that commitment publicly and has invited accountability into their life for it. Um, what this power works to do is transform us. As, as I surrender to Jesus, God's power will transform me. Um, now, this power is something that you experience in life. Whenever you become a disciple of Jesus and you really start following him 
And let's say you do that for a couple of years, and then you get to the end of that couple of years and you look back and say, am I the same person? You start looking at yourself when you've really given your all to follow in the Lord, and you will not be the same. You will experience a transformation. And I use that word experience intentionally because this is something that you have to experience. Uh, It says in Ephesians 1, this is Paul writing, I pray that you will experience, circle that word experience, I pray that you will experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Jesus from the dead. Guys, you can experience this power. Now, whenever you, you run into somebody that's experienced this kind of transformative power in their life, guess what? You're going to run into somebody that's excited. Do you know that? You ever hear somebody tell a story about how God worked in their life and they were excited about it? because they experience the transformative power. You know what we call that? We call that gushing praise. Whenever you get some really good news, like if you won the lottery today, uh, would you tell, well, some of you are like, my family would try to take my money, so maybe that's not a good example. Um, if you got some really good news, like if you, you, you got a best friend that you love and, and you've just found out you're having a baby, right? You're going to go tell your best friend, man, I'm having a baby. This is great. If you're married and it's all, yeah, okay, maybe that's, again, we got to qualify things nowadays, don't we? we got to qualify things. Um, you gush, right? Whenever, whenever good things happen, it just comes out. This is the power of, of testimony, man. Whenever, whenever somebody experiences the power of God and they're able to get up and talk about that experience, man, that's, that's awesome, isn't it? It's something to get excited about. If you haven't experienced it, though, it's something you can experience as well. Some of you are like, I've done the church thing. I've never been that excited about it. Um, Have you been fully committed would be my question. Have you really jumped in with both feet? Have you been fully committed or were you just religious? Because there's a difference. You can be religious and not be a disciple. Like you can can check the Christian box on the census. Just that, have you really, really made this the priority? Have you really jumped in wholeheartedly with this? Whenever you jump in wholeheartedly with Jesus and you really start practicing what Jesus says to practice, it'll change your life. You will not be the same person. You will not be the same old religious person. Okay? You will be different. And it's something you can experience. Um, It's something God invites you to experience. But surrender, it starts with surrender. Okay? As a disciple, number three, as a disciple of Jesus, I get to experience the protection of God. I get to experience the protection of God. Now, God's protection is something we see for his people throughout the scriptures. David is a good example of that. If you go read the story about David, he spent a good portion of his life getting chased by Saul. They were trying to kill him. He lived in caves and lived with outlaws and criminals for a long time. Uh, Not a great way to live, man. I've never had to live running for my life day to day and hiding. None of us have, okay? But that's how David lived, yet he was a faithful Man, and look at what he says. He says in 23, 4, Psalm 23, 4, this is David. When I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You're close beside me, talking to God. You're rod and your staff. Protect and comfort me. David was constantly praising God. Now, he struggled. We know he, he, made, he sinned majorly uh, and messed up bad, but God still used him and worked through him. But God never let Saul catch him and kill him. He protected David all through that. God was his protector. Uh, Now, David was being protected from being caught. Let me ask you another question, though. What if God had allowed Saul to catch David and kill him? What if if God had allowed that? Would we say God didn't protect David? Guys, if, if, if in the Bible Saul caught David and killed him, where would David have gone? To heaven. What would David have said when he was standing with God in heaven? Send me back. I don't like this. No. Was he protected? In an ultimate sense. Guys, think about that now. Whenever we think about God protecting us, you've got examples of guys like David where uh, there was obvious protection right there in the, in, the, in the world. You've got examples of guys like Daniel. Daniel and lions didn't. You know the story of Daniel and lions didn't. He gets thrown into a pit with lions, so the lions will eat him. Well, God closes the mouths of the lions. He protects them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in a fiery furnace. God protects them miraculously, keeps them. But then you've got guys like Stephen. Stephen in the New Testament. You get Stephen in the New Testament. 
Well, there's a mob that's going to pick up rocks and, and hit him in the head till he's dead. Well, God lets it happen. Where did Stephen go after he died? I got to go to heaven. Do you think he went back and said, send me back? I don't like this. No. Was he protected? He was fine. He's good. He's looking down right now like, hey, guys, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm up here. Right? We, we, we see stories in the Bible where sometimes God will intervene. We, we also see stories where God lets things happen. We, we, we got an example of Jesus telling, telling his disciples. Just, we just read it. He's telling them, you, you guys are going to get kicked out of your churches. You're, you're going to get, uh, people are going to think they're serving God by killing you. We know God's Paul, the Apostle Paul, was beheaded in an arena. We know Peter was crucified upside down. Okay, we know all of the apostles, with the exception of John, were pretty, murdered pretty violently. Okay? God didn't protect them, quote-unquote, from that. But where are they? They're all with Jesus. Guys, are they protected? You see where I'm going with this? What do we have to worry about? What in the world do we have to worry about in life? You know the biggest problem in the world? I did a, a, some research a few years ago trying to figure out what the biggest problem in the world is. Um, and so I looked at a bunch of different issues. I looked at peak oil consumption. You guys know what that is? They say we're going to get beyond, uh, we're going to run out of oil, basically. We're going to get to where we, we, we cannot uh, keep up with the fossil fuel consumption. That's a big problem. They're saying industry is going to shut down, you know, uh, if that happens. I looked into the, uh, the, the bee problem. Okay, you guys know about the bee problem. The bees are, they're just disappearing. They're, they're going extinct. And you've got all these scientists saying, you know, if the bees go extinct, it's going to mess up the, the, uh, the ecological system to the point where there's going to be a collapse because things aren't getting pollinated and crops aren't going to grow. And this crop's going to affect that crop, going to affect that. And it, it, they're saying the whole system's going to collapse. We're all going to starve because the bees are, are dying, right? So I looked into that. I looked into nuclear war. Looked into that. That's a problem. Do you know, we, we've got enough weapons to blow ourselves up and probably other planets in our solar system if we wanted to, Right? We've got a lot of, a lot of explosives. That's, that could be a problem. That could end us, right? Water shortages. You guys know water shortages is a thing? Okay. Some scientists are saying we can run out of water, drinkable water, to the point where we're not going to sustain the population. Overpopulation, that was another one. There was just this list of things, thing after thing. You want to know one of the ones I looked at? It was a global pandemic. This was before COVID. And so I'm looking at it like, yeah, whatever. That's never going to happen. Um, global pandemic, right? All these problems. You want to know what not, not, you had all of these very, very smart people addressing these very, very big problems, all of these groups saying this is the problem, this is the one, you know, Al Gore's over there with the climate change thing, like, you've got all these different talking heads and people. You want to know what not, not, not a single one of them dealt with? Death. You guys are like, why would they even think about that? Because, okay, now, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be the problem. Seriously. You say, no, the biggest problem in the world is cancer. I'm going to create a cure for cancer. I'm going to give you the cure for cancer. Oh, good. Thanks. Thanks for the cure for cancer. Am I still going to get old and die? Yeah. That seems to be a problem. Right? You got all these doctors that are uh, dealing with diseases. Why don't they just get to the root? Why don't they just deal with death? Okay? If you really want to solve the problem, solve death. That's the problem that needs to be solved. Now, you got guys in Google uh, that are now digitizing consciousness. Did you know this? There, there are rich people in the Silicon Valley that are trying to digitize consciousness where they can hook up electrodes to your brain. They can download data that they say makes up who you are, your personality, your mannerisms. They can put it into a computer. They can program the AI to act like you, talk like you. They can put that AI uh, software into a synthetic uh, Android, and they can make it talk and think and act like you. Because we're going to solve death. Okay, that's, that's the best solution we've come up with so far. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to traumatize people is what I think it's going to do. Um, it's going to be very, very bad. But that's what they're working on. Walt Disney, many other celebrities over the years, they've cryogenically frozen their heads. Did you guys know this? There is, a, there is, a, there is some room somewhere that has many cryogenically frozen heads of celebrities. Just in case we ever come up with a cure for death, those celebrities wanted to be brought back. Okay? You guys know, I'm serious. This is a thing. There is a company that will cryogenically freeze just your head. Okay? 
The body? Well, anyway, that's where all the heads from the uh, if you, you, what, Futurama, they finally had the technology to bring the heads back. So that's what all the heads in, in, in liquid were on Futurama. Um, the biggest problem in the world is death. We will not solve this problem. We will not solve this problem, but God does. God protects us in an ultimate sense. Jesus protects us in an ultimate sense. The worst thing the world can do is kill you. Jesus says, so? I'm, that's not a big deal. You get to come be with me. It's not, not any big deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defeat that monster. He says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm like the good shepherd. You belong to me. I'm going to protect you like my child, just like a dad protects his kids. And death is not bigger than me. I'm bigger than death. It's all going to be okay, kids. You just get behind me and let daddy do his work. That's what Jesus does for us. We don't have anything to worry about. He's going to take care of us. And he gave his life to us, or he gave his life for us to prove how committed he is. We have nothing to worry about, guys. That's how much he cares. Number four, as a disciple, I get to experience perfecting from God. Perfecting from God. Uh, that's this equipping. Um, this word translated here, perfecting, uh, it's the same word rendered equipping in Greek. It's uh, katarizo. It means to make complete, to make to function according to its design, to put in order, to outfit, to prepare. Uh, the idea behind this word is, is we want to get you ready for your mission. Uh, if you were on a ship and you use this word, you might talk about that uh, to refer to rigging the sails. If you were a doctor, you might use this word to refer to setting a broken bone. Uh, if you were a fisherman, this might mean you mend your nets. If you were a soldier, this might mean you get your weapons ready. It's you're getting ready for the mission. You're getting ready for the task. You're, you're getting ready for the battle that you're about to go into. That's what the idea is. So when we're equipped... We're going to be ready for what life's going to throw at us. It says in Philippians 2, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Guys, that is the result of equipping. Whenever we get close to the Lord, we, we get what we need from him, but he also is working in us. His power is working in us even to affect our desire. Guys, God will actually help us with our motivation to do this stuff. That's what it says right here. That's God's power working in you. God will give us new desires. God will give us a new heart. But we've got to lean into him. We've got to surrender to him. And we get to experience all of these blessings as disciples. Um, guys, let me ask you, have you made a commitment to be a disciple? Have you had somebody uh, walk you through and look at what, what Jesus even says? Have you looked at that for yourself? Have you looked at what Jesus says about being a disciple and made that commitment? If you have not done that yet, I would like to invite you to investigate it. We're not going to pressure you one way or the other. What we want to do is just show you what the Bible says and show you what Jesus says and then just let you make a choice um, like Jesus does. Uh, and then we'll be there to support you if you choose to pursue him. We really hope you do, uh, but that is 100% your choice. We would like to talk with you, though, if you haven't, if you haven't ever looked at that. Um, we're going to have some time to respond at the end. I want you to check, I'd like a personal Bible study, uh, if that's something you're interested in. And we will get somebody together with you to talk about this stuff, because this is super duper important. All of these blessings are for disciples. If you're not a disciple, you don't get these blessings. That doesn't mean God loves, doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that at all. God, God loves you and he longs for a relationship with you. But tapping into his power requires surrender. And that's where we get stuck a lot of times because there's stuff that we want to hold on to or, um, you know, there's just stuff in our life that, that uh, will get in the way of our relationship with God that we find comfort in that it can be hard to trust God enough to let go of sometimes. And so we just, we need some support and some help. 
Uh, but whether you're a disciple already or you're just investigating, Jesus' call on your life is the same. Uh, Jesus calls me to, number one, embrace the purpose of God for my life. We'll close with this. Jesus calls me to embrace the purpose of God for my life. Back to our theme verse. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We've repeated this over and over, guys, but you were created with a purpose. Uh, God loves you. God wants to bless you. God wants to use you to help others. Uh, God has a great plan for you and a journey for you to enter into him with, and he's got amazing things that he will do with you to help other people if you surrender to him. Secondly, Jesus is calling me to live out my life for the glory of God. Jesus calls me to live out my life for the glory of God. To Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen. In the 1940s, there was a Russian uh, named Vladimir Nabokov that came to the United States to visit. Uh, he went to Utah. He went to stay with the family there. Uh, Vladimir was super excited about coming to the States because he was an avid uh, butterfly and moth collector. And so part of why he was really excited going to Utah is he was going to get to chase butterflies and moths because he liked to catch them and he put them on a board and he had all kinds of different species. I mean, he was really into it. And so he's out chasing uh, bugs one day and he's running through the woods and he, he uh, hears a groan come from a creek like down the hill, but he's chasing a butterfly. So he just kept chasing the butterfly. It's like, oh, I hope that guy's okay. And uh, he got home at the end of the day and went in to eat dinner with the family. And, uh, hey, how's your day going? How many did you catch? Whatever. He's like, yeah, I caught this many. I was down by the creek. I heard somebody groaning. They were like, oh, did you stop and check on him? He said, no. I was chasing a butterfly. Well, it's dark. I guess we'll have to go tomorrow. Well, they go tomorrow. They go the next day. They found a dead guy down the creek. There was a prospector down there. Uh, that had gotten really injured, um, if Vladimir had gone down there to help him, they would have saved the guy's life. But because Vladimir was so preoccupied with his butterfly, uh, the guy died. They ended up calling the place Dead Man's Gulch, uh, which you probably have seen Dead Man's Gulch in cartoons. Um, this is the only one I know of for real, and that's, where, that's the story behind it. Uh, is the guy died because the dude was chasing a butterfly. We look at that story and we're like, man, Vladimir, what a jerk. Chasing a butterfly, letting a guy die beside him. I can do the same thing. I can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. You know, we've got people in this world that are dying around us. But we can get so preoccupied chasing butterflies that we let them die. I want to encourage you guys not to get your eye off the ball. The reason we're doing this equip theme, the reason we even have a theme, the reason we planted this church, the reason we're planting additional churches, the reason we've got so many kids at a, at a retreat this weekend, the reason we've got the children's ministry here that we got, the youth ministry that we've got, uh, the, the things going on with the men and the women, the, the reason we study the Bible with people, uh, the reason we do small groups, the reason we do uh, all the Manasseh ministry counseling and stuff that we do, the reason we do all of that is because people are dying around us. And we've got to remember as disciples, guys, we can get so preoccupied with hobbies, we can get preoccupied with stuff that is not eternally significant, uh, we can get our time so preoccupied with things that we don't pay attention to the people around us that are dying. Guys, I, wanna, I don't want to be a church that chases butterflies. I want to be a man that chases butterflies when there's people dying around me. You want to know how I can make sure that doesn't happen? Man, if, if a, it, it's if I'm all in and I'm consistent with this. So what do you need to do this, this morning? Maybe you're not ready, and that's okay. Look, we're not going to pressure you. But what do you need to do to be all in? What needs to change in your heart for you to be all in? What is holding you back? What are you afraid of? 
Is there some habit that you're afraid of giving up? Is there some, something you're finding comfort in? Is there some attitude? You know, what is it? Is it really that scary to let it go and let him have control? Guys, there will be a sense of relief for you if you give that control up. You want to know why I know? Because I experienced it. The only way you'll know, too, is if you experience it. It's hard to trust until you experience it. I want to encourage you to. Guys, every week we give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the lesson. Uh, we've got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin you can pull out um, that's got uh, an op- a place for you to put your information and, and just to respond. Uh, if you would like to join the church, uh, we would love to talk with you about that. We get in- inquiries uh, frequently about how to join the Crossings Church from uh, people that are visiting. Uh, let me just tell you, we, we want to get to know you. We want to get to be your friend. We want to learn your story. Uh, we want to talk with you about your relationship with God. Uh, that is your next step. If you want to take your next step, that is your next step, is we want to invite you to a uh, greater community. If you'd like to study the Bible with someone, um, when I say the word or the phrase study the Bible, that sounds very formal. Uh, it's not. It, it's really getting together with a friend and opening up the Bible and reading a passage and saying, what do you think about that? And then you talk about it. It's not that big of a deal. It's not like sitting in a classroom with a whiteboard and some guy lecturing, okay? That's, that's where people's minds go sometimes when they hear that. It's not what it is at all. It's a conversation. It's a conversation about you and your relationship with God. That's going to be your next step uh, if that's where you want to go. Guys, that is the most important thing in your life is your relationship with God and, and where you're at. So if you'd like to talk with somebody uh, peer-to-peer, uh, we would love to do that. Uh, I also want you to know this is a safe place. Guys, you're in a room full of uh, alcoholics and drug addicts and people who've been uh, molested as kids. Like, we've got a lot of trauma in this room. We've got a lot of hurt, but we've also got a lot of healing. And so if there's some kind of issue that you're struggling with, if you're struggling with an addiction, I'm standing before you as an addict, okay? I know what, I know addiction intimately. Uh, Uh, If you're struggling with alcoholism, if you're struggling with uh, pornography addiction, uh, if you're struggling with uh, just feeling terrible about yourself or some situation, we've got resources and and things God has equipped us with to be able to give you. Uh, So we would love to be able to help you. If there's anything we can do to help you, please indicate it on the card. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Then we're going to sing a song. During that song, you'll have an opportunity to fill that card out. Uh, after that song, we'll sing one more. Uh, we'll pass the baskets, and you'll be able to drop your card in the baskets when we pass those. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to wrap for today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for the reminder of your love. God, every week when we get together and take communion, uh, thank you for your word. You give us very graciously, God, so we don't have to go through life blind. Uh, Thank you for your direction. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your care. Uh, Father, I pray as we meditate on your goodness this morning during the song, uh, as we fill those cards out, that you will prompt us to respond as we need to. Some of us in here are sitting on the fence. We know we we, we need to take another step. Um, And so I just pray you help us be motivated to do that. Uh, Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.